Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. In studio with me is Joe Eaton. Good evening. How are you going, Vanessa? Good. Uh, very good. It's nice to be here. And uh, I'm Vanessa Holker. Uh, in news tonight, well, we weren't going to talk about our tech news for the week, but I love that Kate mentioned that she's having a good week in tech. <laughs> that sounded like a frustrating week to me. Oh, maybe I maybe I missed part of that. I'm sorry. The startup discs are full. Oh, is that what she's? I'm sorry. Mm. I, I misheard. I misheard. Not um, fun. Usually, when I hear startups uh, in the Aussie <laughs> environment, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic than that. Okay, okay, there you go. Um, and in news this week, there have been a few um, a few hiccups. Uh, the fallout from the Optus event on the 8th has come through and uh, Optus CEO Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin has resigned um, after that network outage which followed, you know, a big embarrassing data breach for Optus a while back. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's, I guess, the, the fallout from that event. No surprises, really. Um this was after uh, Bayer Rosemarin presented to the Senate on on how some of this happened. So this has, uh, yeah, been a challenging time for Optus. Uh, what's going on in news, Joe? Uh, so I'm told that window washing drones are a thing. I don't even know about this, but they've been using them at the MCG and Marvel Stadium. Um, and apparently uh, some office buildings are going to be using them soon. And um, it's a facility services company called Famaso, and they're using um, drone technology from a Norwegian company called KTV Working Drones. Uh, they're rechargeable battery pack drones, and they um, use hot water to clean windows instead of chemicals, and it saves, uh, you know, People having to abseil down the face of buildings, they can use drone pilots from the ground. So it's, it's very safe. interesting to see how quickly this technology is taking off. I feel like I've yeah. seen some some TikToks about window cleaning in New York recently and then all of a sudden it's cropping up here as well. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty fun to hear people like the MCG saying that in the past they've required cherry pickers and... Uh, rope access solutions to clean external glass in some areas, uh, and now that drones are accessible, uh, oh, sorry, now that drones are available, they're making a lot of these areas more accessible for window cleaning. So there you go. Send them around to my house. Yes, I imagine there's some safety benefits, uh, and maybe a bit of retraining for some people in true, uh, true, yeah, in yeah. doing some some of these jobs in different ways. There you go. Hey, news from the Commonwealth Government. Uh, there is a new Australian cyber security strategy um, which is outlining how the government plans to tackle cybercrime. There's actually quite a lot in this piece. Worth reading up some of the articles. There's a good write-up on the ABC and uh, we'll look to get some experts in to chat about that in a bit more detail in coming weeks, so I'm not going to cover too much of it now. Uh, and then... F- what else is happening in news? We have Epic versus Google. Um, this case has been going on for a long time and we're sort of looking at 
parts of it that are being um, litigated in the US courts, even though it's happening in quite a lot of jurisdictions. Uh, so the future of Google's App Store um, is part of this lawsuit by Fortnite publisher Epic Games. And it goes back to 2020 when Epic sued Google after a fight over in-app purchase fees. And they claimed that the Android OS Google Play Store constituted an unlawful monopoly. And it wanted Google to make using third-party app stores and side-loaded apps and non-Google payment processes easier. So you can see the many ways in which app developers felt that they were being stitched up into this particular proprietary environment and had to operate that way. Um, it's taken a long time to get to court and, uh, you know, has echoes of a similar trial against Apple in 2021. Uh, the Verge is doing a blow-by-blow blow of, of what's happening in the current trial in the States and worth looking into that. It's getting into whole lots of details about the actual operation of different parts of the Google environment in, for, for apps so they're talking about Google adding frosting to check if apps are signed, even if they're distributed outside Google Play. So it does get quite detailed. But if I was an app developer, this is what I'd be loving to read about and, and understanding, you know, more deeply what's happening in this environment and um, and trying to get the vibe of whether the case seems to be going well for Epic or not. Um, commentators are saying that, yes, it is, you know, going well, particularly because under the Biden government there's been a whole lot of... Um, antitrust movement and energy. So, uh, yeah, keep watching that space. It is time for our guest for the evening. Anthony Aegis is Chief Sizzler, that is editor of The Sizzle, a daily email newsletter delivering the freshest tech news and amazing Aussie tech bargains direct to your inbox. Welcome back to Triple R, Anthony. You're welcome. Thank you very much. It's it- nice to be uh out from behind the keyboard. Yeah, it's great to be the excuse for people to get out from behind the keyboard. Yes. We have that same feeling. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's nice to see people in person. Definitely. On a, on a video chat as well, which is good. Definitely. And not just a little, you know, alias in a forum, but we'll yep. get to that in a little bit. Um, could you start by telling our listeners a bit about you and how you got started in the world of technology journalism? Um, kind of by accident, I um, started a forum back in like 22 years ago now. Um, called Mac Talk, and it was a big like Apple uh, community forum. And um, back then, Apple was was nobody. Like no one cared about Apple. Yeah. Nobody. Um, like they were all, almost dead. But there was a few fans left buying Apple stuff. Then Apple made the iPod. Then they made the iPhone. Then they got very popular, and that's got quite a big forum. So I'm then I got sick of that. I sold that, and then started writing just freelance writing. And because I already had like, a bit of experience with the Mac Talk stuff. Um, I got. I was quite lucky to get some opportunities with, like you know, real outlets, you know, like real uh, magazines and newspapers and stuff. And then I got bored of that and thought I should just do this myself. And that's how this all started um, eight years ago now. It's fantastic. Um, on this show, obviously, we are always looking for a local angle on technology news. And even though a lot of the, the news is global, you know, we're interested in how it affects us here. And you really you really speak to that. Um, quite a few members of our team are, uh, you know, avid subscribers to a newsletter, which is a great sign. And you've gained a really good reputation 
Can you talk about what readers can expect when they subscribe and, and how you have managed to stand out in that crowded technology news space? Uh, I think the main thing people like is that there's no kind of ulterior motive with it. I'm not an influencer. Um, I don't have ads in the newsletter. There's no um, affiliate links. I'm not trying to sell products or sell. The only thing I want is your money to pay me for the newsletter itself. There's no like secondary income stream from selling data. There's no one, like the effort I made to try and get an email service that did not track people's data was like months to try and find. I actually had to build my own service because no one had it. Um, that's the kind of level of, you know, uh, tinfoil hattery. I love that it. I, have I love because it. It's, because that's what I expect as a customer paying for this stuff. I don't want my customers to experience that as well. It's so pure and yes. it's so aligned with our values and, you know, as, as people who love our digital rights watchers and um, Electronic Frontiers Australias of the world, you know, it's it's so important. And, and yeah, as you say, it's still it's still quite hard to do, harder than it should be. It feels like the spirit of the early internet to me. Yes, well, I mean, I, yeah. I code each issue by hand with HTML. Like, it's not like a template. <laughs> <Beautiful. laughs> like it's just because that's how I learned back in the 90s. That's oh, just what I keep on doing. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like a, a like a, a photocopied zine. Yeah, like that's it's that kind of spirit, but about high technology stuff. Mm. And um, I make a living out of it, which is very like a nice bonus. So that's pretty good too. That's really nice. Um, the world is flooded with technology news sources, and you see it increasingly. Tech news is bleeding off the tech news pages onto the the main news pages these days. Um, what's the unique? Um, point of view you think your newsletter has that, that subscribers don't find elsewhere? I, I think, sadly, because it's an Australian source of news, that's kind of unique. Um, as I've been writing this sizzle for eight years, I've seen more and more of my Australian sources where, where I go to to get Australian news fall off. Yeah. Um, um, uh, ZDNet, for example, was a big one. They're gone in Australia. Um, another one was uh, The Limiter, uh, which is an Australian news source. That, um, the person who ran that stopped. Yeah, it's a um, shame. That was great. Yeah. yeah, and it's just very hard to get Australian news. Like I often find stuff, like people tell me that happened, that there's no coverage at all happening elsewhere. So it's like if I'm finding out before like real journalists do, it's <laughs> that's a bit of a, a concern, particularly since there's more and more things that the government does in particular that involve the internet, involve computers, um, that get no coverage at all. They, they, they can kind of just do whatever they like with no scrutiny. So that's kind of a... A nice thing that the sizzle does, we do. I do write about that stuff because no one else is. Yeah, the fourth estate, you know, yeah. keeping keeping your government accountable and and making sure that there's an ability for public accountability and public conversation around what's happening. Yes. Yeah, in this space, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so let's um, let's have a quick talk about what came out in well, what's been coming out in the newsletters this week because we. Purposely didn't mention all of the news in OpenAI in our starter because there's just too much to cover. Um, and we thought we'd love to hear it from your point of view. So, I mean, this news has been bubbling away for weeks and weeks now. Tell us what it's, you know, um, could you give us a, a wrap of sort of what's happened with OpenAI recently? Yeah, I mean, apparently this has been bubbling for a few weeks, like you said, but it really kicked off on like Friday night, Saturday morning, when the CEO of, of, um, uh, of uh, OpenAI um, was just sacked out of nowhere. Um, yeah. Sam Altman, um, yeah, he's a very renowned startup guy. Like he's probably the archetypical tech bro. I think he, you could call him. He's, um, you know, Y Combinator, I think he's involved with It's yes. a very big startup um, incubator in, in the US and I think globally. But, um, yeah, he just got sacked out of nowhere and the board of OpenAI was like, you, some like very, very vague, um, he was deceitful. 
Yes. But not outlining what he actually did. Mm. And then um, after Sam was, was sacked, um, the president of OpenAI went too, saying, well, if he's gone, I'm gone too. And, and then that's Brockman. Yes, Greg, Greg Brockman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then a bunch of employees. Um, like I think they have about 700 employees in total at, um, uh, and – all of them, virtually all of them, just said, "Look, if you're going to um, get rid of Sam, we're going to go. Or if you, if the board quits, we'll we will um, stay, and but we need a, a new board." <laughs> and so it's a big mess there. But and then out of nowhere, um, Satya Nadella from Microsoft, the, the CEO of Microsoft, he come, comes along and says, "Oh, Sam Altman is, is going to work, and Greg Brockman are going to work at Microsoft." Yeah. But they aren't. Like that's not locked in. But yeah. he yeah. tweeted it out on Twitter. As if they were going to work there. Yes, and that confused a lot of people, but it, but it increased Microsoft's uh, share price, which I think was the intention. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I think that's a pretty great summary. Um, there's so many different threads of philosophies going on here, and um, we're going to talk a bit about that on Tech Talk on Tuesday at the station uh, because I think it does merit a bit of a, a hyper focus. It but, does because I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there has to be like a kind of an an, an internal culture war um, there because there's because OpenAI is supposed to be a non for profit research place, but they have a product called ChatGPT, which makes them squillions and is very very popular. And the, the the nerds, the academics there, are not a fan of this. Whereas Sam Altman, the Archetypical Tech Pro. He wants to push new products, push new stuff. You know, it's probably not ready for public launch. Yeah, and that seems to be why he was fired. Not so much he was deceitful; just they just didn't like him. It seems, <laughs> and didn't like how he was approaching it. And but the fact is, people love OpenAI because of ChatGPT. Yeah, and those APIs that, that, that they have, and so they're kind of stuck now. Yeah. and we don't know what's really happening now. It's up to the board to decide. So what I really want to know from your perspective as someone who's pushing out news um, every day of the week and, you know, putting that Australian lens on it, you know, because this is relevant to all of us really, how do you navigate um, figuring out what's going on when we're such a distance from Silicon Valley and we are um, all trying to wade through rumours and innuendo and, and gossip and even the big players are scrambling to try and get their news out at the same time as you are. You know, you're in the breaking news space. I think it helps to actually wait a bit. Um, I, I write one issue a day. There's a certain deadline. Like I usually get it around, around 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. And in that, even in that period of time, things can change quite a lot. Yes. So what happened on Friday night versus what happened on Monday morning there's a big difference in, in, this, in this story. So I, was at, I had the luxury of being able to wait rather than having to tweet something out or put up a, 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 a breaking news post on, a, um, on a, a blog, for example. I mean, do you think our time difference from the States happens to work to your advantage in this way? It, it does sometimes because there's things that happen like uh, at, at night, they get a bit of time to boil, the, the opinions can come in and then I can read it in the morning and go, oh, so that happened that happened and this is what people think of it, rather than, oh, that happened, here's my thought. Mm. I get a bit more time to consider and think. That's um, That sounds very wise, a uh, bit of a voice of experience covering tech news here. Uh, we might, uh, might have a look at some other news things that are going on. Before we get there, 
you spoke about some of the different profit motives going on in OpenAI, um, but what about the different philosophies? You've got the tech doomers who think that AI is going to move fast towards um, artificial general intelligence and pose real problems for humanity um, versus the people who uh, really want to get to that edge as quickly as possible um, all in an environment where they're saying open AI shouldn't regulate ourselves, government, that's your responsibility, that's where you should be playing the role. You know, what do you, what do you think about those um, trying to grapple with understanding who represents which of those philosophies? I sympathise with the people who say, look, take it easy. We don't really know the real consequences of this, so let's just take it easy. But on, on the other hand, this stuff's being made, this stuff's being done, it's hard to put it back in the bottle once it's out there. So there's always going to be people who want to push, push, push and push. Um, maybe the sensible approach is a, a restrained monetization or, or a restrained thoughtful approach to it rather than being way too slow and just keeping it as like a little hobby. That's, I think that's a bit of a naive thing because once it's, it's, it's out there, people can do whatever they, they, they want with it. So it's kind of, yeah, trying to fix it before the horse has left the barn or whatever that, that saying is. So yeah, it's 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 tough to um, be because I, mean, I like using Chat GPT, but you can kind of tell in the wrong hands this could also be like a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, and even when you hear lay people talk about it, often it's giving them a, a quite false impression of what's going on, and you can hear. I heard a conversation recently where people were saying um, they were reflecting on the research that came out of Microsoft. There was a a paper that came out in the last month that had um, boiled down its prompt engineering advice to uh, we found we got much better responses when we told ChatGPT in a prompt to take a deep breath and, you know, look at this problem step by step before responding kind of thing. And their interpretation of that was that oh, you know, so I need to talk to ChatGPT like it is a person. So it is like a – and it's like, no, 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 no. Just because this is working as a prompt, you know, doesn't mean that you've leapt to the right conclusion there. You know, the reason that works is because algorithms have learnt from other things that have expressed that sentiment to take a deep breath and slow down and therefore that led to a more considered response coming out in that particular piece that it's been trained on or something. You know, something like that is going on instead. Um, so I think there's some real real dangers there that are hard to unpack. And what do you think about, um, you know, when you're trying to approach these news, how much do you try and bundle up in each piece and when does it get off pissed a bit, you know, what are the limitations to what you can effectively cover in one newsletter? I, I try and assume, because my audience is, is a very nerdy audience, you're going to have to be a bit of a nerd to pay for tech news. Like, <laughs> you're not just, like, off the street randomly coming across it. You have yes, to pay. So yes. I assume kind of a certain level of, of You're the news knowledge. behind the news for us, yes. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And so I kind of assume the basics of stuff. And But sometimes, like, when, when things happen, just, say, in the past year or two, like, like, like an AI thing... Um, it's difficult for people to have that kind of background knowledge, particularly if they've used it before or if they're kind of new to it. Um, whereas I may have used it a lot more than, than others, so I'm going to have to not assume there. So I kind of have to just go back to basics and just kind of repeat myself quite often before people kind of what is happening sinks in. Um, so that's, yeah, a lot of like repetition and mm-hmm. a lot of um, you know, breaking it out in, into small bits 
and spreading that out rather than just a big dump of like things that people don't read. Because people don't read long things. They want kind of short 120 words, 150 words. If you, if you write a thousand word article, even that's a lot for, for a lot of people to take in and soak up. So That's yeah. very true. It's very true. And then when we're looking at your sources, and you know, obviously you would have – you can the, tell you've got vast sources. Giant R, uh, RSS feed. I bet. Collection. Oh, still RSS. I yes, love that. Yes. So legit. Without it, the way I'd be able to do this Yeah, job. yeah. <laughs> um, but when we, when we look at that, you know, do you feel like um, there are some really heavy hitters in the space that have changed, like ha- has who you go to as a reliable source of good journalism in this space without naming everyone, but, you know, have they been really changing who's capable of doing that sort of coverage? It's, it's been, what I've been, found the most is there's quality outlets who take the time to write about stuff and then there's others who have maybe um, a certain spin on things um, based on their audience, like, a lot of mainstream news sources struggle to cover these big topics because they don't they might not have a journalist dedicated to tech, to tech stuff. So they're relying on the politics journalist to write about um, like a cybersecurity law. And the journalist whose specialist is in politics knows who wrote it, the behind the scenes to get it approved. Yeah, the process. The lobbyist. Process but they, article. But they don't know a single thing about what does this law going to have an, an impact on once it's passed. So that's... The difference between specialist tech journalism, who take the time to explain and have a um, an, an, an understanding because that's where they come from, versus uh, a, a, a kind of a, a mainstream journalist. I didn't want to say normal because none of them yeah. are normal. <laughs> yeah. um, who you know would struggle with this niche, in-depth stuff. Yes. That's just not what they, they know. That they've never been trained at. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. Anthony, uh, can you share a time when, um, well, you know, can you talk a bit about the phenomena of breaking news? And because uh, for me, from my perspective, I feel like it's quite often that I open the sizzle and it's the first time I've caught a particular wave of news. Um, how does it feel for you? You know, you're not going out there beating down, you know, beating down the streets, hunting for tech stories necessarily. It's a bit different. Yeah, I mean, I rely on – I like to call them real journalists to um, – you know, they're the ones who, you know, read the press releases, go to the media conferences, um, read the boring government uh, reports, um, ask – get on the phone and ask questions. Whereas I take what they've written and what they've done and try and distill it down so to try and highlight the important stuff because there's a lot of – again, there's two streams. There's that – commercial, this is almost an ad kind of news, then there's like what I call real news, which is like what's happening in the world that makes a difference to people's lives. You're a human filter. Yes, yeah, and that's really what this letter is. It's it's more of an um, um, an aggregation, a curation of yeah, news yeah. rather than uh, original news because you, you can like, read it on different places by trying and bring the important stuff. But for a lot of people, this they what I report on will be the first thing that they see. I find that a lot. You know, you're often the first person to bring something to my attention. And I do read the tech news and I try and keep across things, but there's just so much of it, like you say. Um, And there's a lot of it that's hyper-commercial. And not that that doesn't have a place. That's absolutely fine. Um, But it's not really our place. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many opportunities. Journalists, I don't don't mind when they do it because I understand why they do it. Mm. There's so many things to report on. And when something's given to you on a bit of a silver platter... If you have to file twenty stories a day to keep your job, 
the easy ones get the priority. Whereas if you have to, it was, it's rare for a journalist now to have the luxury to spend, say, an entire week on a story. That just yeah. doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rare. So yeah. that's probably why people people must have had the idea of journalism as like, oh, they're Or the president's men. Yes, yeah. investigative journalism. No, it's just get as many stories out there as fast as you can. Yeah. And when the PR people come to you with a story, that sounds this sounds good. And you publish it. That's that's yeah. you can take that box off for your day and you earn your paycheck. And the internet has so much to blame for that. You know that the yes. rise of that, uh, yeah, churn this many stories a day, this much content a day. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. We spoke a little bit about the perspectives of lots of news that comes at us globally, um, and you you have talked about your um, your attempt to you know not bring a, a perspective to the news. Uh, but but tell me a bit about you know community building and and what else goes on around the sizzle. Well, I mean, I, I think a large part of people enjoying the newsletter as well is we're all there's so many things coming at us all day every day, and a lot of people who subscribe are also they work in tech. There might be a, a programmer, a project manager, um, uh, you know, the right the documentation, all, 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 all kinds there's of things. There's a few things. political lobbyists. There are there are, <laughs> um, and there's just so many things happening all all the time. And a lot of it's quite sad and de- uh, depressing news. Like a law gets passed, that's like, oh, happened. Like, why did that law get passed? Or, oh, Microsoft did this, or Google did Another that. Another ID card scheme, yeah. Yeah, and it's like it just it, it, it can be quite a defeating space. And I think coming together as a community to kind of share that kind of pain almost to kind of gripe about it is a is a legitimate thing that people kind of need. They're kind of out to go. It's not just you thinking that. We all think it too. And I think I can be a, a bit of a, a vessel for that dis, disgruntledness. An escape with, valve. Yeah, with the um, kind of the technology that we loved, perhaps maybe in the late nineties, early two thousands, when it was a bit more um, naive, maybe. Hmm. Um, whereas now it's like, oh, we, we did that. Sorry, kind of thing. So, as well as the newsletter, you've actually created a space for people to to kind of use that release valve, and you've got forums, which um, are very sweet and. Somehow they feel nostalgic, even though yes. everything in in the conversations is very contemporary. Um, you've got the the sizzle archive emails, which is great, um, which brings attention to things in the past and often reminds you that oh, we've seen this before, which I love. Yeah, I mean, I started that simply because I have so much things. Cause I've done one thousand nine hundred and something issues of this newsletter now. Wow. There's so much stuff there. It's like I write it once and then it's forgotten. Yes. So I thought I'll try and dig it up, and it's been quite useful, even just me to read it again. And go, oh, I, I wrote that. That was a thing that happened. This is happening again, or this. Yes, is, yeah. I think that's really constructive. You know, because it's tempting to have a quite short memory in this space um, when you read other other platforms. Uh, and then you've got a Slack channel also, which I've got to say I haven't had the time to dive into. That's, that's, I mean, for most people, they're either on the forum or in yeah, the Slack. It yeah. tends to be like if you have a job where you can kind of just chat to the side, mm. people to just down on the Slack channel is mm. like a bit of a. Basically, people who work from home or work on uh, on their own, mm. it's almost like where they're work friends. Mm. Whereas people on the forum tend to like go into more lengthy rants. Lengthy I'm just posts. a forum tragic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no rants. What are you talking about, Anthony? I can't <laughs> believe this has turned so damaging so quickly. Yeah, a forum without a rant is not a forum. <laughs> it's very true. You want some strong personalities yes. in a forum. Um, look, you have a sizzlethon running until the end of the night. Uh, tell us about what is the sizzlethon. Well, first of all, you can go to sizzle, uh, sorry, thesizzle.au forward slash RRR and then you can read that and see what it's about. But if you sign up for a free trial of my newsletter, so it's 90 days, there's no um, credit card required, there's no 
you can unsubscribe whenever you like. It's not hard to leave if you don't like it. Yeah. And no dark patterns. No. Um, I'll donate five dollars to a charity called CAPS in Ballarat, the Child and Family Services, and it's like a little. I win because I guess someone to try the newsletter. They win because they get five dollars. And so I think we've raised about $800 so far. It's fantastic. And so I think it sp- yeah. speaks to how you are, you know, so embedded in community. And uh, I love the idea of um, you running a sizzle-thon because it sounds like a sausage sizzle. Well, actually, The got, classic fundraiser. Well, I got the idea from Triple R because the, the, the radiothons oh, are brilliant. done. So I stole that from Triple R. Oh, so it's a symbiotic go. relationship here. Yes. <laughs> Look, um, yeah, do do check out the sizzle.com.au um, and we'll, we'll retweet. Uh, well, not retweet. We'll repost some things on threads. Um, Anthony's also on uh, Oz Social Mastodon uh, as Decryption, uh, which is a very cool handle. Nice yeah, one to grab. Very old. Yeah. As a 15-year-old. Having cool handles really dates us as people. Yeah. Hey, I've still got the same username that I started using in oh, the mid-90s as there well. There you go. So, yes. Yeah. And lots of them we didn't put much thought into. You know, <laughs> no. some, of, some of them have had to be let go because we put so little thought into them. Yeah, the the origins of mine is a song I liked very much back then. It's uh, let's not talk about it. <laughs> um, I didn't want to let you go just on that, Anthony. I wanted to have a quick chat about: Do you keep up with some of the more cultural aspects? Because I know it's not a huge focus of your newsletter, um, but when sometimes things bubble to the surface, like the TikTok uh, reposts of the Bin Laden, um, you know, manifesto, and and people having uh, not very well-educated takes on that. Um, do you ever get sort of bogged down in things like that and, and sort of angst with yourself? Does it go in the newsletter, doesn't it? How do you, how do you, you know, make those calls? Very much because I, I do – there's a good newsletter called uh, Garbage Day which covers a lot of that kind of culture on the internet and culture on, on social media and it's um, – um, I love that newsletter. It's one of the feeds that I pay for. Um, and I don't write about stuff like that because I don't do a good job of it. I'm not, you know, I'm not tapped into that kind of culture. I'm mm. not. Um, I don't have my finger on the pulse when it comes to the social media or what the young people are doing. I'm just not. I just mm. don't. I'm almost forty now. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, that's You're keeping lot, it authentic. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I would be um, invading that space without yeah. any kind of um, strength in there. So yeah, um, I tend to leave that to others. So I kind of focus on where I'm where I'm strongest at is kind of the. I feel like if the more dorkier news, I guess I'd call it the more nerdier news, the more things that's not in fashion, but there's people out there who still want to know about about it and it's important to kind of have the kind of um, fundamentals of... Uh, well, and and yet you do find another way to cover the cultural aspects, um, but probably in a way that's a bit more authentic to you and I'd say a lot of your users, with your something I saw on the internet um, sort of area of your newsletter. Tell us how that came about. Yeah, I mean, that's literally I needed an... I see a lot of things on the internet and just after, what, 35 years now on the internet? 30 years on the internet? It was yeah. 10, I think I was first on, on, on the internet. That's early. Yeah, 94. Yeah. yeah, 94 I think was when I first got my first modem for the nice. computer. But um, that's that's ancient history. But I, I've seen a lot of things on the internet and this is my bookmarks essentially. Like I've got mm. um, 7,500 bookmarks, just things I've seen like that. It was interesting. I might share that with my friends later. And that's where I kind of dump that information. Because the internet, there used to be a time when people surfed the web, found interesting things and just shared it because they're like, oh, because there weren't many things on the internet. So it was like, oh, I found this. This is cool. 
Isn't it amazing? Whereas and if someone was passionate enough about it, you know, you'd just build a web page. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now it's like, well, there's so many things. Now it's kind of more, again, that uh, curation of you probably didn't see this. Here's, you, know, you might like it too. And there's, there's another part of your email. You know, obviously you've got the tech bargains, which we haven't spent much time yeah. on, but um, – you're sort of the person that someone goes to in their office when you're shopping around for something and you're like, Anthony, Anthony, you know, do I need this? Do I need a, a robot vacuum cleaner? Do I need, you know, which phone should I get? Is it ready? Is it time to upgrade yet? You know, you're, you're that guy, I think, and, and you bring that to the newsletter. Um, how much time do you have to spend on that sort of, that sort of well, research? At, uh, at the moment, because of all the Black Friday sales, sort of Monday sales, that's taking up most of my time, to, to, to be honest. Oh, yeah, the, news, the news is easy. The, the, the news writes itself. You know, Open Eyes does, does something, the government does something, that's the news taken care of. Yeah. But then there's like all these stuff on sale, you've got to kind of filter out. All right, first of all, is it actually on sale? Because they mm. kind of. Um, you know, oh, it was this price six months ago. Then they collected it up and then they brought it down for the, the sale. The equivalent of shrinkflation. <laughs> yep. And then it's like, it's actually a good product. Do I actually yeah. want to tell people to to buy this? Yeah. So there's a lot of background information in my head that I know just from, yeah, that's probably going to be a piece yeah, you can see Yeah, you can yeah. see that there's some some homework there. Yeah. And the thing that really screams out that you're, um, you're simpatico with the Triple R audience is the random music recommendations yes. you put in there. Yeah, I love putting the music down at the bottom because it's like, well, that's what I listen to while I write it most of the time. And I love music as well. Yeah. I listen to, to Triple R in, at home, while, often while I write a newsletter too. Yeah. So um, it's just a little bit of myself in the newsletter to go, look, this is a person here. It's not a big company. It's not a some bot. A human who likes music wrote this and he wants you to listen to this song as well. I think it adds a bit of humanity music to oh, it would be part of life well look um enough of a rave fest from me um i super love your newsletter and appreciate the work that you put into it and um and i and i love your community vibes and just you know how you're always thinking about like not um monetizing things in gross ways you're just a, a regular guy trying to make a living That's it. you know doing yeah. something that we really appreciate so it's great people should check out the sizzle.com.au what's the other triple r address you, you gave for the sizzlethon the sizzle.au with hat the.com slash and so if, if, you, if you go there before midnight uh, tonight and you sign for a free trial um calves in ballarat gets a um five dollar donation from me I, I just signed up as we were speaking so perfect that's beautiful yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, true nerds, we make URLs for special occasions. Yes. I just I love, love it. Yep. Yep. Thanks for chatting with us, Anthony Agius. Triple R. It's time for Weird News of the Week, and we found truly weird news this week, uh, which makes me happy when we, we can live up to Warren's legacy of weird news. I was of the just going to say, hello, <laughs> Warren. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Joe, did you know that some people write Harry Potter fan fiction, not just to indulge their own, you know, enjoyment of that universe, but as a recruiting tool. This is weird to me. I did not. No, this is super weird. So that's what a recent piece on 404 Media reckons, as it described a work that was written from 2010 to 2015, and I think well, sort of released five in a... Se- years. But in a serialised fashion, you know, like Dickens back in the day. <laughs> yeah, OK, OK. <laughs> uh, but maybe not like Dickens in many other ways. Um, and it name-checked OpenAI's interim CEO, Emmett Shear. Um, of course, this is far before he became the interim CEO, it was about rational thinking and it was written by the AI researcher and quite influential blogger Eliza Yudkowsky. Um, so the, the writings, when you add them together, are about 
you know, just under 700,000 words long. What? And uh, I'm going to quote for for media here. It follows Harry Potter in an alternate reality where the <laughs> uncle who raised him is an Oxford professor who homeschools him to learn about science and rational thinking. I'm already wow. thinking I'm out. I'm tapping out. <laughs> nah, this is not the fanfic for me. Um, <laughs> uh, so... The article went on to sort of link this to the current news at OpenAI and said um, and had a really nice uh, explanation for effective altruism, which our fantastic Dan Salmon spoke about on Breakfast's Tech Talk very recently. But it summed it up as the ideology that permeates OpenAI's non-profit board and, broadly speaking, effective altruists are obsessed with the possibility of human extinction via AI superintelligence. Uh, which is something we'll probably get into in the next tech talk about open AI. Um, the the interim CEO himself, Emmett Shear, says that he believes there's a five to fifty percent chance of AI induced apocalypse. I'd love to know how he came to that number. It's a very broad um, range there. Yeah. So yeah, you know, clearly through homeschooled based rational thinking. I don't know. <laughs> Truly, but truly have weird to things have going an, on culturally. You have to have an Oxford professor as your homeschool teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't think homeschooling is as big in uh, England as no. Americans might think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Look, 404 Media is one of those outlets that is well worth a read and, and does that, that bridge between tech news and culture quite well. Um, yeah, it's something something worth reading about. Nice they're, to have something truly weird. Yeah, they're still fairly new and they are relying on um, on subscriptions as part of their model. Uh, so there's a bunch of things you can do to support them. So that's kind of that's kind of mm. interesting too. They're at four o four four zero four media dot co. There you go. Yeah, it's become a, a thing that I add to my Wired and my Verge and my Slashdot. Right, the and daily the, yeah, rounds. That's right. Um, I still miss Google Reader. I, All these years later. Just not having a good RSS yeah, feed reader, it's I, really broken. The replacements just didn't do it for me. And so I... Yeah. And yet in the corporate sector, I still invariably end up working within, say, the Microsoft ecosystem right. and finding certain products that will push out an RSS feed if you want them to. And you sort of go, oh, those back when they were useful yeah. to me. I'm sure the librarians still use them. I yeah. love librarians. I do. They're my favourites. They're pretty great. Um, let's have a look at what events are coming up this uh, in the near future. Um, Joe. Oh, Music Tech Meetup Melbourne. Yeah. That's um, 28th of November from 5 to 8pm at the Corner Hotel in Richmond. Nice location. Yeah. So if you're a music tech enthusiast, this is how their spiel reads, music industry professional, professional or aspiring innovator, come along and connect with others making waves in creative tech landscape. This is an informal gathering of startup founders, investors, developers, venture building experts, and anyone with an interest in the intersection of music, creative arts, and technology. And creatives from all sectors are welcome. So if you're currently working in gaming, film, design, the arts, or any other medium, they'd love to see you. Oh, they have a special guest too. Uh, their special guest for this event will be Josh Simons, who is the CEO of Vampa, a startup that was founded in 2016 and has a 1.3 million strong creator community. That's a pretty huge um, startup. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's also the CEO of music credits database Jackster and new online record store Vinyl. How do you get the name Vinyl? That is an interesting name to try and catch. Yeah, Vinyl.com. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. Um, And tickets are on Humanitix. There you go. Oh, Humanitix have tons of... Tons of tech events lately. They seem to be uh, competing a lot with Eventbrite now in terms of how many things I go to based there. Uh, Something else that's coming up we've been talking about for a few weeks but it's very close now is the Yao Conference which um, brings together a lot of international talent and um, there's all sorts of people in the tech ecosystem but particularly focused on developers and they look at emerging tech and best practices in the software industry. Um, they're platform agnostic, so they're quite an interesting – they can bring together quite an interesting bunch. So there's a couple of days they're running, uh, November 30th and December the 1st in Melbourne. Um, you can check them out, if my computer will play, at yowcon.com. And, uh, yeah, well worth a look. It's the sort of one that you, you really want your workplace to sponsor. You know, it's around the $1,000 mark. But – uh, well worth it. I really want to say this next one out loud, can this I? This amazing. <laughs> ACMI are holding a marshmallow laser feast, works of nature, on the 23rd of November to the 14th of April. It's a world premiere exhibition featuring four major digital artworks on a grand, awe-inspiring scale, plus evocative works on paper from London-based collective Marshmallow Laser Feast. We're all just slightly disappointed right now that there's not a feast involving actual marshmallows. And then, like, but maybe there could be. We could um, bring I, that. I was imagining, like, instead of campfire marshmallows, laser marshmallows. Oh wow, we can make this happen, Joe. We have well, the technology. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sounds dangerous. <laughs> but they're a very, like, they're a very cool collective. Um, yeah, worth checking out. This is their first major exhibition in Australia, um, which makes it pretty significant. Mm, starts tomorrow, runs until next April. Yeah, I want to get in there soon. Um, I love that they've got people like filmmaker Terence Malick um, collaborating on things within their exhibition. Uh, so there's, you know, if you want to drag some of your, you know, film aficionado mates or music fan friends along, uh, Johnny Greenwood has done something in there. There's stuff by Johan Johansson. Who, uh, John Hopkins. John Hopkins. There you go. I, I'm more familiar with the hospital, but, you know, this John spelt differently. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the medical centre. Um, all right. We are, we are, we are stretching because uh, we're coming to the end of the show and it's just hard to say goodbye sometimes. Hey, a big thank you to our guest this evening. We spoke to Anthony Agius, who's the editor of The Sizzle um, and a daily email tech news and bargain email that's been going out for eight years now. And, uh, yeah, pretty pretty sensational thing. They are running their Sizzlethon um, where even if you are aware they're encouraging people to sign up for free trials, which are very easy to opt out of um, if you find that it's not for you. Um, but they're also slinging $5 towards um, a charity in Ballarat called CAFS um, for each person who signs up just for the free trial. You can check that out at thesizzle.au slash RRR. Um, there you go. Hey, thanks, Joe. It's been good having you in. Thanks, Vanessa. It's been an unspectacular week in tech um, for, you know, on the, on the day-to-day tools basis. I have nothing to report. I've I've signed up for a new iPhone. I figured. Oh, what are you iPhone, getting? Well, my iPhone seven has stopped 
playing with a lot of things now and it's getting slow. It's a good innings. Starting to fail. Yeah, I really try and push them as long as possible. Mm. It'll still be, be my emergency. But I'm going to go to the 14 and uh, my friends can expect to finally look good in photographs that I take now. <laughs> so look, we apologise for the lapse in, uh, in quality photograph taking. But uh, we'll be back on track now. It's been a few years. What was that? It was maybe 2016, the, the seven. Yeah. Out. It's been a long time. Are you rocking, you know, the Apple ecosystem at the Look, moment? Look, I've never had the newest phone before and I just got the 15 Pro. Yeah. Um, and it's the first time that I've splashed out and got the, the nice. new phone and I'm loving the camera. Oh, I was still too much of a tight ass to get the 15. I just went, no. But I'll take advantage of those Black Friday deals where possible. Yeah, do it. Yeah. There you go. Hey, thanks to Talks producer Lou Lin, who always goes above and beyond um, chasing great things for us. Really appreciate that. We've been bite into it and the show will be back next Wednesday. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or bite into its Twitter or Facebook accounts.